improve our standing before the Lord, uh, and that is not the case. Uh, the Sabbath is something that ought to flow out of the spiritual rest that we have in the Lord. It's something that we, uh, we come to an understanding of because we are God's people, not in order that we would become God's people. Uh, and so we need to remember today. All right, I want to break it down just in, in two pretty quick sections. One is thinking about the Sabbath as a commanded blessing. Uh, and second, thinking about rest as an active verb. There is a passage in Deuteronomy uh, where, uh, where God tells his people, uh, I didn't look it up, so I don't have the reference, trust me here. Uh, there's a passage where God tells his people, when you get into the land and when the land begins to produce for you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to come before the Lord with your produce. You're going to come before the Lord with the money that you've gained from selling your livestock. And you're going to buy whatever your heart desires, uh, whether it's grain or wine or oil or strong drink, whatever it is, and you're going to have a feast before the Lord. And he says, and you shall rejoice. It's a commanded blessing. He tells the people to gather together and to make worship something that is exciting, something that is enjoyable, and he commands them, you shall rejoice. The Sabbath is like that. It's a commanded blessing. And so we're going to think about that today in terms of two things. Uh, first, the principle, and second, the promise. And just to, to get through the theology more quickly, here's the principle ahead of time before we look at the passage. Uh, this is taken from the Westminster Confession of Faith, 21 Section 7, just a small portion of a larger paragraph, but it says, God, in his word, by a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him. There are three things you need to remember about uh, what the Sabbath is all about, these three words, positive, moral, perpetual. Uh, again, this is, uh, this is one of the ways that the Sabbath is distinguished from some of the other uh, commandments. So here is Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now with that in the back of our minds, we return to that language of positive, moral and perpetual. It's positive again because we are told to do something, not to not do something in order to keep the Sabbath. It is a moral commandment in the sense that it is not a ceremonial commandment. There are other commandments in the Old Testament, other laws for the people of Israel, either as a church or as a nation that tell them the things they ought to do, the years of jubilee they ought to keep, the seasons they ought to remember, the, the new moon festivals and all of these other things. And sometimes in the New Testament, in fact, in Colossians, you hear that spoken of as Sabbaths plural. But the Sabbath, the one day in seven, is not a ceremonial commandment. It is part of the moral law of God. It reflects God's moral character. It is in the Ten Commandments. Quick survey, how many of the commandments are still binding on God's people today? Ten. All ten of them. Uh, and this is a moral commandment. This is a moral issue. The other thing that it says uh, in the Westminster is that it is a perpetual commandment binding all men in all ages. So uh, you notice here that when God gives this commandment to his people, it's in the context of drawing them out of Egypt and establishing them as a new nation, but he doesn't ground the establishment of the Sabbath day and the Sabbath day practice in their establishment as a nation. What's the basis for the Sabbath here in, in uh, Exodus? What's the basis for the, the commandment here? Creation. It is a creational order. Now, we read last week uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, where God gives the Ten Commandments again before the people go into the land, and there he grounds the Sabbath in their redemption. He says, for I took you out of Egypt, and so you ought to make sure that your, your servants get their Sabbath as well. I'm bringing you into my rest. And so here in Exodus, he grounds the Sabbath in creation, and there in Deuteronomy, he grounds the Sabbath in redemption, but it carries this weight, and because it's a creational mandate, it applies to all people, 
at all times in all cultures. That means that the Sabbath, like marriage, like work, some of the other creational things that we've been discussing, uh, it's not given only to Jews, it's not given only to Christians, it's given to everybody, and that ought to inform the way that we keep the Sabbath in our wider culture. Right? The Sabbath isn't something that Christians get to claim and say, this is mine, but all you other people out there, you go about your daily lives and make sure that I can rest in the way that I want to. We need to consider people other than ourselves, and we need to consider even people other than Christians when it comes to how we consider and keep the Sabbath. So that's the principle. So you can see it again. God and his word, positive, moral, perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him. We're not going to get into the weeds of how it went from being Saturday to Sunday. We're not going to get into uh, some of those other, uh, other things, but there is the principle. You find it in Exodus chapter 20. Now, for the promise, lots of places we could turn to see this. I think one of the best places we can see it is in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. If you keep back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Notice the language of delight in this passage. Uh, this is uh, speaking in a, a larger context about some of the spiritual practices that Israel had. The first half of Isaiah chapter 8 is talking about people who declare a fast. They're going to have a holy day. And what do they do with that fast? Well, they oppress other people. They use it as an opportunity to cease from their working and to, and to go about and harm other people. The Lord is, is calling the same sort of thing here. When you think about the Sabbath, what is it for? It's, uh, it's not for doing your own pleasure. It's not for talking idly. It's not for going your own ways. Uh, it is something that we honor. And it says here, the promise is that when you delight in the day of the Lord, you will delight in the Lord of the day. Notice that connection. There's an if and a then. If you turn back your foot from doing your pleasure on my holy day, verse 14, then you shall take delight in the Lord. This is what we often find in the spiritual disciplines God has given us. Uh, discipline being another key word as we think about the Sabbath. God calls us to act and behave in the world in certain ways, but he also adds a, a promise to these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. All these things will be added to you as well. All the other things that you're worried about, God will take care of them. There's a promise there. And you can, you can think about all the other uh, ways that we approach the Lord, the ways that we grow in sanctification. He often shows us that when we apply ourselves to the means that he's given us, that we grow and we are blessed in it. And here's the promise of the Lord, that if you delight in the Sabbath day, you will delight in the Lord. Some other things there. I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth. I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We can see how these also get transmitted into New Testament promises. Right? The meek shall inherit the earth. I will give you an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled. Well, Sabbath keeping isn't how we get the inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, but it's uh, it's part of our lives as believers as we're trending in that direction, to that inheritance, to that, uh, that blessing that the Lord has for us. And along the way, he gives us delight in him. So let's summarize quickly what we've seen so we can move on to uh, the practical aspects. Sabbath as a commanded blessing, the principle. Joel Beakey summarized it in the sermon that I listened to this week. Here's the principle in a nutshell. The day doesn't belong to you. <laughs> it's not yours. All right, we often think of the Sabbath day as another Saturday, right? Well, here's, here's the day that I have to, to do all my chores, to run all my errands, to do all the things that I want to do. I didn't get around to all of them on Saturday, so as soon as church is done, we have a few more things we have to do because this is my day. The day doesn't belong to you. Now, Jesus teaches in the New Testament that the day was created for man, but that's purpose. That's different than belonging. He goes on to say that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Because the day was created for us, we don't get to say, I'm the Lord of the day and I decide how to, how to keep it as I ought. Well, no, no, no. The day is created for you, for your benefit, for your spiritual nourishment, for your bodily rest, but it doesn't belong to you. That's the principle. God has a right to command how we use the Sabbath day. 
And then there's the promise. When we delight in the day of the Lord, we will delight in the Lord of his day. Well, let's, uh, let's move on then and think about rest uh, as an active verb. And I, I want to talk about one approach. I listened this week to, um, to the class that we had back in March of 2018. Uh, and here's something that I noticed. When it came to, uh, to talk about practical application, I did not tell you what I think about the Sabbath and how I practice the Sabbath. I punted. As your pastor, I asked you, what do you think? How do you keep the day? Uh, what are the things that you try to put in order? And that is wrong of me. Um, one of the reasons uh, that I didn't do that is because I'm afraid you might think I'm a little bit legalistic. Or I'm afraid you might think that I'm trying to uh, to demand how you do it. There, there is a difference of opinion on the Sabbath day. What I'm teaching, I, I hope, is our confessional standard view. But how we work that out in its particulars, we can get pretty pharisaical pretty quick. And so today I'm going to share my approach with you, uh, and I hope it's a blessing to you, and I'm going to give you some of the do's and do nots that we hold on to in our household. But I want to see some pushback. Uh, I want to see some... Uh, some interaction as we go through. Um, and, and before we go any further, l let me just give you the, the bullet list before we look at them individually. Uh, here is what I think is a good way to keep the Sabbath. First, that we prepare. Keeping the Sabbath doesn't start on Sunday morning. It doesn't start when you get to church. It doesn't start when the sermon is being preached. It starts Saturday at least. Uh, it starts earlier in the week. Notice when we started uh, talking about the Sabbath, we, we dealt with that Westminster Larger Catechism. Why is remember there? Well, so that we would prepare our hearts. Secondly, worship the Lord. This is what the Sabbath is for. The Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There is a purpose clause. Why do we cease from our working? So that we can meditate on the works of the Lord so we can grow in spiritual nourishment, so that we can give honor to the Lord, and we can show that the, the day of the Lord belongs to him to, and not to us. So worship the Lord. Third, nourish your soul. Outside of corporate worship, which we should all be doing on the Lord's day, there are other opportunities, there are other things you can do. We'll talk about some of them. But this is also to be a priority for us on the Sabbath, that we would nourish our souls. And if you are a father and you are a husband, it is your responsibility to see that in your household, the souls of the people in your care are nourished. That's part of your responsibility before the Lord. And we saw that in Deuteronomy chapter 5, right, where it directs the, the heads of households, don't allow your servants to work on the Sabbath day. They get their Sabbath as well, your children, your, your livestock. It's a creational mandate. Nourish your soul. See that the souls of, of those in your care are nourished. Rest your body. Don't work. Stop with, with, with all the, the toil and, and all the, uh, the rushing about. Rest your body. And then finally, bless your neighbor. So this is the very, very quick version. We're going to go through them one by one. And as we do, I want you to keep two questions in the back of your mind. One, where are the tension points? That is a polite way of saying, where do you disagree with me? <laughs> I may say some things uh, as I tell you the way that I think the Sabbath ought to be kept, and you might say, hey, I don't think so. Uh, he's too legalistic. He's unrealistic. He is idealistic. That should be a sermon. Um, and so think about where the tension points. You might disagree with me, and that's okay. There's an element of wisdom here, not of legalism, and so we can bounce some ideas back and forth. Uh, and then the second question, what have I left out? How would you improve on that? What would you do differently? Okay. Uh, and so we're going we're to get started. Uh, if I were to give you a list, oh, and, and by the way, um, before we get started, uh, I, I don't want to be um, unclear on two very important principles I would like to pass on to you as a congregation regarding the Sabbath day. You're going to see them stretched throughout as we go through the ways that I think that we ought to keep the Sabbath. And two very important do's or don'ts. I want to impress upon you, do not engage in commerce on the Lord's Day. There are some obvious examples where maybe you're traveling, you, you might have to. Don't buy things on the Lord's Day. Don't engage in commerce if you, can, if you can manage it. Two, 
engage in hospitality on the Lord's Day. We're going to see those as we go through, but those are two things that I would love for our congregation to catch that as a vision for the Lord's Day. Don't buy stuff and engage in hospitality. Open your homes. All right, so uh, how do you prepare? You've got to prepare for the Lord's Day because it doesn't just happen. Well, you begin by preparing your affairs. Uh, you begin by looking at the things that you will need on the Lord's Day. If you have a, uh, a commitment to not uh, go and engage in commerce, well, that means that you need to make sure that you've got the things that you need before Sabbath comes around. Do you have gas in your car to get to church? Do you have milk for the kids who are going to want to drink later? Could you perhaps prepare a meal? Especially as we get to talking about uh, hospitality later. Could you prepare a meal beforehand so that you don't have to spend your day toiling? Eh, there are some works of necessity, right? You have to eat. Uh, you, you have to clean up after yourselves. We don't get to be uh, lazy slobs just because it's the Lord's Day. So there are some things that you, you can't do the day before, uh, but there are things that you can do. It also means arranging, if you're a student, that you're ready for that exam or that quiz that you have on Monday before Saturday is over. It means making sure that your work assignments are done so that they don't bleed into Sunday. It might mean, if you're a worker who is... Uh, who is pinged with all of those emails throughout the weekend, that you set the expectation among the people that you work with in your work group that you will not answer work emails on Sunday. There might be some emergencies. There might be some things that you really have to deal with. Those things come up. But as a, a basic statement, prepare your affairs beforehand. Prepare your body. If you are up so late uh, consuming media, uh, engaging in revelry, uh, reading good books. I don't know, whatever keeps you up, whatever keeps you from feeling rested and ready, prepare your body as well as you can. There are reasons that we can be sleepy on Sunday and unengaged when we come to worship and, and reasons why uh, just bodily or because of life stage or age, it happens and I see it and that's okay, right? Uh, but as well as you can, as well as the Lord enables you to, prepare your body for the Lord's day. Now, we set our clocks back, so hopefully most of you got an extra hour of sleep. Uh, or if you're like me, you looked at the clock last night and you said, it's not really that time. I can stay up an hour later. Um, so prepare your body. Do better than I did last night. Prepare your soul. Throughout the week, is the Sabbath your delight? Do you look forward to what the Puritans used to call the market day of the soul? You have a market day for all of your other things, all of your other, uh, your other engagements and your errands. The Lord gives us the Sabbath day to do commerce with him, to engage in the business of our souls. And are we preparing for that? Are we praying for the sermon on Saturday night? Are we praying for Sunday school throughout the week? Are we praying for one another and for our fellowship? Are we looking forward to a fellowship meal and thinking about how can I have a spiritual conversation with somebody instead of just sitting down and asking, how's work going? Right? Can we use the Sabbath day to bless our souls? And, and if we do, uh, that, involves, uh, that involves preparing ourselves. And all of these things involve discipline. These things don't just happen. Our key word today is remember. Remember the Sabbath day. Get ready. Prepare yourself. So... Uh, where do you think the tension points are? Am I going too far? Am I stepping on any toes yet? Or are there things that you would say, uh, I think we could go further. I think we need, to, we need to mention this. What do you think? Jay? I see Jay and then I see John. Depends on how old the bike is and, uh, and how steep the hill is, maybe. Um, good. We haven't talked yet about, can I go for a bike ride? 
can I take a nap? What does resting your body look like? We'll, we'll get to that, but that's a really good point. Um, and here again is, is where we can get real legalistic real quick, right? What does rest look like? Well, universally, rest looks like this. Well, maybe not for, for that person. Actually, there are a lot of people in this room who are what we now call knowledge workers. Your whole week, your work is sitting, hunched, staring at a screen. Maybe the most restful thing you can do on the Sabbath is grab your family and go for a walk and look at God's creation and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah. And so we'll think about that in just a little bit. What is rest and how do we do it? But that's a, a good precursor. John, what do you think? Tension points, what, what should we add? It's Sunday morning, and it's time to make the donuts, but somebody's making them, right? Uh, and I think that's, that's important to think about. And we'll, we'll talk about work uh, again in, in, in just a little bit. So we're, we're going to, all those bullet points that I had at, at first, we're going we're to keep walking through. Teresa? That is work. It is work, yes. So let's all stand. No, no, no. When you get into um, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you get into discussions of, of obviously some work has to be done on the Lord's Day. We typically talk about works of necessity and works of mercy, right? Uh, Lee's a surgeon. I bet you spent lots of Sundays in the OR. Alona, you've probably spent lots of Sundays in the OR. That has to happen. People need medical care. We need our uh, police officers. We need our firefighters. We need people to deal with, uh, with emergencies that come up. And actually, we need help to get ready so that we can worship. There's a kind of work that facilitates worship. That's why Jesus talks, you know, when the, the um, Pharisees come to him in, in Matthew chapter 12, and he's walking along with his uh, disciples in the grain fields, and they're picking heads of grain. Uh, and they say, your followers are doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. Well, first he talks about David eating the showbread in the, uh, in the temple, uh, which is not lawful for anyway, which happened on a Sabbath, because that's when it was switched over. But then he says, haven't you read that, that the priests profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Well, the priests in the Old Testament had a much harder day on the Sabbath than anybody else. And they had a harder day on the Sabbath than they had any other day in the week. Why? They were working to facilitate the purpose of the day, which is worship. I think people coming and setting up, yeah, that is, uh, that's work, but that's work that's necessary. We might want to take a good hard look at what is necessary work, what in our church could we do without on the Lord's Day so that other people can be prepared and can be ready. I saw a hand... Uh, Kathy, and then we're going we're gonna to keep moving as quickly as we can. I saw Kathy and Tim, and then we're going to go on to the next one. Well, is obedience legalism? It's, it's legalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say it's legalism if I told you, here's how you're justified. Right? Legalism is a way to justify ourselves before the Lord so we can say, well, I, I cooked the day before. 
but there's an element of wisdom in all of our obedience to the Lord, right? Why is evangelism not legalism? Are we to go out and to share the word? Well, sure. Uh, why is sexual purity not legalism? Are we commanded to flee uh, from sexual temptation? Absolutely. Uh, we can think about any commandment and the way that we sit together as a group of believers and talk about, well, how do you keep the Sabbath? How do you keep the Sabbath? What are some good practices? And we can get caught up and say, well, anytime you tell somebody else, you shouldn't do it this way, well, that's legalism. The Bible tells us you ought to be pure in heart and pure in mind. So if I sit down with a young man in the church and I say, you should not be looking at pornography online, is that legalism? I don't think so. I hope not. Right? It's, it's one way of talking about growing in obedience. Now, here's again where I'm, I'm inviting you to say, push back here. Right? You have to eat on Sunday. Uh, is it legalism to make sure you prepare the day beforehand? Well, you could make it legalistic, right? You could be like the Jews who have, uh, even today, their appliances that have the delay button, so they press it, uh, and it has like a timer of five seconds, right? You press a button, nothing happens. I didn't turn that on. Five seconds later, there it goes. Uh, you know, are, are we trying to justify ourselves, or are we trying to grow in obedience to the Lord? I think that is the question. If it's a means of justification, if it's a hard and fast rule, the Medes and the Persians that shall not be broken, that's legalism. But I think we have space together to talk about growing in obedience to the Lord in wise ways. Does that scratch the itch or do you want to push back? <laughs> All right. I saw Tim and then we're going to move on. I think a goal for us in growing in maturity as Christians is growing to the place where we can handle talking about discipline without fearing that we're trying to justify ourselves by it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's preparation, it's making space for the things that we ought to be doing. Uh, there's an analogy, perhaps, and you, and you see uh, every once in a while, probably around January, uh, you see these articles, people saying, well, I would, I would go and work out, but I don't have the time. And then they juxtapose that by the average amount of time that uh, Americans spend on Facebook each day, or, or whatever it is, right? And they say, there's your time. Uh, well, I'm not saying you have, to, you have to trash your social media accounts. I, I'm, I'm saying let's prepare, right? Let's, let's make the space. And so that's, uh, that's the direction we're, we're trending. Uh, the second priority that, that I want to encourage you to on the Sabbath is to worship the Lord. Psalm 92. You know, those, uh, those little subscriptions, uh, those titles. In the ESV, there are two titles. There's one that the editors have given you, and there's one that's actually attached to the psalm in the Hebrew text. The one that's attached to Psalm 92 in the Hebrew text is this is a psalm. This is a song for the Sabbath. What do we do on the Sabbath? Well, it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing your praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. Here's a basic priority for us on the Sabbath day. It's good to sing praise to the Lord. It's good to worship the Lord. That's what the day is for. And so, here again are some of my principles. 
Number one, be in church. <laughs> what about if it's my birthday? Be in church on your birthday. What about if I'm on vacation? Look beforehand, prepare for the Sabbath, and find a church where you're going to be. And then come back and tell us the church that you worshiped at. So if we go to vacation in the same place, we know that there's a faithful church. Assuming that there's a faithful church. And if you find an unfaithful church, tell us about that one too so we can avoid it like the plague. Right? Be in church. Gather with God's people. This should be the first priority for the Lord's day. It's a day of rest for the purpose of worship. Be in church. Again, with all these things, sometimes you're providentially hindered, right? We used to have snow days. Now we have a Zoom policy. But, but snow days happen, right? And sicknesses happen. And sometimes your kid has a runny nose and it's COVID season and you feel like, if I take my kid to church, everybody's going to look at me weird. Keep your kid at home. That's okay. Uh, worship as well as you can with your family when providentially hindered. But if not providentially hindered, be in church. Now the second... Be engaged prayerfully and mindfully. Here is where the discipline comes in. Anybody can sit in these seats. Anybody can sit in these seats and they can daydream about what they're going to do when they get home. They can think about the first thing that's going to be on their schedule on Monday. They can think about uh, the, the stuff that's going on. Be engaged prayerfully and mindfully. I don't know what that means for you. You have to figure it out. It's up to you. Do you take sermon notes? Do you not take sermon notes? Do you doodle because by keeping your hands busy, you're enabled to, to listen and to absorb what's being said? Do you engage and sing as well as you can? Even if you can't sing very well, do you engage prayerfully and mindfully? Do you pray with us when we're praying? I realize that some of us, when we give the intercessory prayer, we go on for a while. Are you with us? Or is your mind somewhere else? Are you able to say amen for the things that we're praying for? When we're done, or would you be able to say, we prayed for this, we prayed for that, and we prayed for that? Pray when we pray. Sing when we sing. Study when we study. Worship the Lord. Be engaged. And here's some discipline needed. Any tension points or, or, or encouragements here? Landon. Yeah, and, and here's uh, another opportunity. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. But we picked our kids up from Landon's house, uh, Landon and Cynthia's house a while ago, and uh, on one of the end tables he had several commentaries on Ecclesiastes, which for me feels like cheating. But every weekend, <laughs> every weekend, an email goes out with a link to our bulletin. You know normally at least by Saturday afternoon, what's the sermon text for tomorrow? You don't have to read three commentaries. You can read the passage. You can pray through it. You can, you can get introduced to it before you show up so that you can say, I, I wonder what rabbit hole he's going to go on this week. I wonder what I'm going to learn. I wonder what the Lord is going to, to say to me. I'm picking on Landon because I know I can. Um, he's, he's got thick skin. Um, but that's a, that's a great thing, right? When we prepare, when we look ahead when we know what, uh, what we're going to be reading, what we're going to be singing. If you and your family spend some time, maybe Sunday morning, uh, maybe you don't have time, you're rushing out because you want to be in Sunday school, uh, but you, you spend time gathered around the piano and you, oh, that tune's a little rusty, Let, let's prepare our hearts so we, we don't have to focus on hitting that note, we can focus on what we're singing and praising the Lord. Yeah, so all, all sorts of things. And here again, you've you got to work it out how, however it works for you, whatever it takes to prepare and to be engaged. This is uh, one of the priorities of the day. All right, let's move on. Nourish your soul was the third priority I had for you. Make use of other opportunities for study and spiritual growth. Tim mentioned this. There are opportunities 
at church, there are opportunities outside of church. You are in one of those opportunities right now. I don't have to preach to this choir. You should be in Sunday school. It's not commanded, right? This is not the thing that happens. This is not corporate worship between the call to worship and the benediction uh, that we elevate is where God uh, meets with his people, that we follow the liturgy of the gospel. But look at these believers sitting in this room thinking about how we ought to live as Christians in the world. This is an opportunity to have your soul nourished. This is an opportunity to to question your pastor when he says, well, you, you can't do this on the Sabbath day. You don't normally get to do that during the sermon, and if you do, we, we might have some problems. But this is an opportunity where we can have fellowship, we can have conversation, we can, we can talk with one another. Spend your time. You know, again, you, know, you, you go throughout the week, and, and you've got your Bible reading plan. right? And by the time Sunday rolls around, you missed a couple days. It's not legalism, but you love God's word, and you want to be in it, and you want to progress in these things, and so spend some time on Sunday catching up on your Bible reading. Read good literature. Listen to good sermons. There are many better preachers out there than me, right? So find one that you like, one who's faithful, and spend some time by yourself. Spend some time with your family. Spend some time if, if you live with other people or you can have other people around, Talk about the sermon. What did you hear? What did you learn? Talk about the worship service. I never noticed the way that we, we use that call to confession and that assurance of pardon. I never saw before the way that they dovetail and, and the way that it is actually uh, ordered so that we would go through the drama of redemption as we go through our service. Do you think about these things? Do you, do you engage in these things? Well, if your Sunday is full of all sorts of other things, you don't have time to talk about this stuff. You don't have time to just sit back and say, what's going on spiritually? Spend time in prayer. Spend time praying with your kids. Spend time praying with your spouse. Remove the distractions that keep you from the above. Here's another place where you need to figure it out for yourself. You need to figure it out for your family. The screens in your household keep you from doing what is above. You know, one of the things that Isaiah said uh, turn away your foot on the Sabbath from, uh, from speaking idly. One of the things we can fall into if Sabbath becomes a list of things we do not do is the sin of idleness. Uh, I've, I've told the story before, but when Sarah and I had just come to seminary, we were getting really excited about the idea of Sabbath and my in-laws visited, and we came home from church on Sunday, and they said, well, what are we going to do now? And I said, nothing. <laughs> well, like, are we going to, could, could we, no. We don't do anything on Sunday. Right? Sunday is not just a negative day. It's not just a day where we do nothing. That could be idleness, right? But, but what do we need to get rid of on the Lord's Day to give us space to nourish our souls? It's a positive commandment. Here's a day that we can use that's unencumbered by all of these other things where we can meditate on the works of the Lord. Maybe it's screens. Maybe you need to take, uh, Rob was telling the session this week about a, a dopamine fast. Somebody was advocating a whole day where you, I, I think it was, it was more intense, right? No social media, none of the foods you like, none of the, you know, I, I wouldn't advocate that. But maybe you, you need to back away from, from all those things that get your blood boiling. Are you a news hound? Turn the news off on Sunday, right? Don't get that constant stream. The world will still be there when you show up on Monday, right? Put these things to the side. Maybe it's your email. Maybe there are other things. Scott. Mm-hmm. Now, now here, where would you push back? Or where would you say, maybe this too? Tensions or encouragement here? Cynthia. 
I am, just so you know, I'm not advocating that when you go home from church, you sit in the corner and pull out your Bible and do nothing else. And, and there are uh, homes where children grow up in that atmosphere, and they learn to hate the Sabbath. Right? I, I've met people like that. Uh, I had a co-worker when I was still back in Pennsylvania. I was studying before I came to, uh, to seminary, and, and he was not a believer or walking as a believer in any way. Um, and I was studying. My pastor gave me a shorter catechism. He knew I was going to go for ordination, and he gave me a shorter catechism. And I'm standing at my machine, putting the pieces in one side, and I've got the Westminster shorter. And this coworker comes over, and he says, glorify God and enjoy him forever. Excuse me? He grew up in a, an ultra-conservative, reformed household where he came home from worship, and between morning worship and evening worship, he couldn't go out and play with his friends. He couldn't play with any of his normal toys. He couldn't read any normal books. He could only look at, 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 at scriptural books and things like that. His friends could come in, and they could engage in spiritual disciplines with him. And what it did was it made the Sabbath a day that you'd endure. Right? And, and I, I hope I'm not giving you this list so that you say, let's endure. Let's remember Isaiah, call the Sabbath a delight. If you have kids in your home especially, find ways to make the Sabbath a delight for your children. Find ways to, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no sledding. Sarah has a theory that, that they were Presbyterians, uh, and, and I, I think that's probably right. Yeah, Matt. If, uh, if fasting is part of your spiritual discipline, let me suggest that you not fast on the Sabbath. Right? Make feast on the Sabbath. I heard somebody recently uh, call uh, worship on the Lord's Day a wedding rehearsal, a weekly wedding rehearsal. And if you think about the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's what it is. Right? And so if there's a day that you get to drink the nice wine that you put aside, if there's a day that you get to do the things that that make you not just enjoy life, but enjoy the Lord, right? If you can do it in a way that makes you thankful to him, well, nourish your soul by giving thanks to the Lord, right? Make it a delight. Do things that, uh, again, for your children, for, for yourself, for your spouse, are there ways that you can delight in the Lord's day and see it as an intentional day that he gives you to, to give to him. And, and yeah, so, so these things, you need to figure it out, right? Uh, so, go ahead, Matt. Before bed on Sundays, my children gather around, and I get a glass of whiskey, and I read them a chapter or two of Narnia. That could go on. We're on our second way through now, right? We're the second time through. and we, We've done The Hobbit. We've done some other things. Well, not everything in the Chronicles of Narnia is super spiritual. There's just reap a cheap's pretty funny sometimes, you know, and that's okay. Uh, but it, it helps, uh, helps our family to delight in the Sabbath when we have that, that time where uh, we're together, we're resting, we're, we're nourishing our souls in, in different ways. Here's what Calvin says, the Sabbath should be to us a tower, whereupon we should mount aloft to contemplate the works of God, 
when we are not occupied nor hindered by anything else besides. That sounds like Calvin, but it also sounds pretty right. Uh, I like that. So uh, the next one, and there are two more, uh, rest your body. Here are my bullet points here. Again, uh, think through how they, how they work out in your home. Minimal housework you can manage. There are works of necessity. Somebody's got to clean the dishes, though you can also opt to leave the dishes in the sink on Sunday night. Uh, might set you back on Monday morning, but think about that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give the other person a rest, right? If that's a way that you can serve and your work helps another person to rest. Yeah, yeah, to make it different. So minimal housework, if you can swing it. Uh, no work, no school. Again, uh, there are works of necessity um, and here is another option for discipline. And, and I think, here's my legalism, um, one of the things we need to discipline our children to do is very early on, if they're going in for a job uh, interview, I don't work on Sundays. Right? We just went through this whole season of life where we're talking about who is an essential worker and who is not an essential worker. Well, if you work at a liquor store, you're an essential worker. No thank you, right? If you work at a grocery store, you're an essential worker. It wasn't always the case, right? Um, think about whether your job is essential on the Lord's Day. There are many whose job is essential on the Lord's Day. There are many who are not. And training our kids as they go to look for work in the world to say, I don't work on Sunday, and the employer says, I really need somebody who works every day of the weekend, and your children might have to say, I'm sorry, I'll have to take another job. Well, maybe, right? Talk it through with your family. How, how does it show up? Uh, this, again, comes back to preparation for, for no school, no work sometimes. No errands, no commerce, if you can swing it. See Deuteronomy chapter 5. See the fact that it's a creational ordinance. See the fact that our uh, commerce causes work for other people unnecessarily. Sometimes we need to do that. That's okay. If you're caught on Sunday morning, you have not prepared, you've not filled the gas tank with gas, you have to get to church and you won't make it, what should you do? You should get gas, you should come to church, right? It's not a hard and fast, you know, sometimes we, we don't get around to it and we, we figure out a way. But if you can swing it, no commerce on the Lord's Day. It would be one thing to say, you know, I really think Chick-fil-A is great because they don't open their restaurants on Sundays. It would be another thing to say, Chick-fil-A is great because they don't open their restaurants on Sundays. We'll go to Wendy's instead, right? Those two lines are incompatible. Uh, so if you think that the first is good, uh, you know, align yourself with that. Dave, where do you want to push back? <laughs> Let's hear it. All right, yeah, so if you, if you do all the practices without uh, the delight, without the heart in the right place, we could step through all these hoops and pat ourselves on the back, I think is what Dave is, is saying, um, so that we look good, yeah. Here's the, here's the question. Can I take a nap? Can I walk outside? Can I throw a ball with my kids? I think you can, yeah. Right? But again, let, let's work for the purposes of the day. Does a 30-minute nap refresh you? And does a two-hour nap make you more groggy and less able to engage with nourishing your soul and leading your family and delighting on the Sabbath? I'll take a 30-minute nap, right? Does a walk outside refresh you? Do, do you get outside in the cool, crisp air, and can you take your kids and say, look at, look at these trees, look at those animals, look at all these things. Can you use it as an opportunity for, for growing in the Lord? Or just rejoicing. Can you ride your bike and pray? You certainly can, right? 
if that's a medium where, where you can be uh, out and you can, you can use that as an opportunity to worship the Lord, do that. Um, Joey Piper, The Lord's Day, excellent book. He is a book, uh, or, or this is a book, he's an author, and, and in this book, that many people would read it and say, ooh, that's hard. He has lots of, here's what you should do, here's what you shouldn't do. He, and, and even many of the people who are really staunch on the Sabbath, say, if you have young children, you need to adjust a little bit of this, right? You might have to get down and wrestle with your kids so that they can, you know, if you have an, an evening service in your church, so that they can engage. You might have to take them outside. You might have to uh, play around with them. You might have to engage them in some other way so that you can, you can fulfill the purposes of the day. What about your hobbies? Well, same sort of thing, right? Uh, use your judgment here. Uh, if it's refreshing, if it's restorative, I think there's space for it. Now, we don't have to say, you know, you, you can't collect stamps on the Sabbath, you, whatever, whatever your hobby is. Um, but, uh, but let's, you know, think about it well. Resting your body. What's meant by a holy resting? Oh, I'm over time. Uh, J.G. Voss, this means not merely resting or abstaining from work, but resting with a religious motive as an element of obedience and service to God. We're not merely to rest, but to rest as a form of devotion to God. The last one is blessing your neighbor. Uh, here is Jesus. He has this conversation. Uh, the Pharisees are upset because he's healing on the Sabbath day. He says, shouldn't this woman be loosed on the Sabbath day? What is the day for? It's for doing good to others, right? Can you go and can you, can you visit again? No commerce. Bless your neighbor by not going to where they work. Um, no commerce. Parents, make the day a delight. Open your home. Let me challenge you. We had a class on hospitality. before church. Uh, keep thinking about this. Come to me with your, uh, your pushbacks. I'd love to hear the places that, uh, that you didn't disagree openly, but disagree uh, in your heart, and we can, talk about <laughs> we can talk about those things. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your day. Uh, help us to use it for your purposes. Help us to delight in the Sabbath day, uh, because you, O oh Lord, are delightful. We pray in Jesus' name.